Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm a f o o d e fan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at f o o d e f a n c o m And today we have Frank from Narwhal. Frank? Hello, everybody.、Uh, my name is Frank Zen, and、uh, I'm the co founder of Narwhal Pens. And、uh, you can find Narwhal Pens on Instagram at Narwhal Pens. That's our Instagram, or narwhalpens.com. That's our website. All right. And obviously, this is a very exciting.、Um, Episode for us because I, I believe this is the first time we've actually gotten、uh, somebody who is on the brand side to be on the podcast. So, really, thank you so much, Frank, for for joining us in this discussion today.、Um, no problem. No, I love this podcast.、Um, thank you so much. I watch some of them, but not all of them. Sorry, but like it's excellent and uh, uh, it's very, I would say, descriptive for a lot of people now in Japan. Thank you so much.、Yeah. We obviously, I, I actually have a narwhal pen. You know, we obviously discussed narwhal、uh, for quite a few episodes due to the recent, I, I would call this a drama with,、uh, with Twisby. But first, I want to、um, really get to know you, Frank. You know, what's your personal story? How did you get into、uh, fountain pens? Could you tell us a little bit about you know, where you started in this industry? Uh, I started quite young, and、uh, I feel like Fountain Pen is one of my things, like a family story. So, everybody in my family has a Parker 51 from my grandfather, then my father, then father gave it to me. Then I kind of got into not just writing with it, got into like, this habit of like collecting pens.、Mm-hmm. And I was starting in high school, like first year high school, like、uh, it was、yep. say, like ninth grade. For、uh, people not in the US, it's like ninth grade, about like 15 years old, started collecting some、uh, cheaper pens.、Uh, then got this、uh, opportunity to,、uh, to connect with one of the manufacturers in China.、Uh, then、mm-hmm. I was、uh, kind of like a summer intern for like a summer. Then、mm-hmm. we started with a high school friend of mine.、Uh, we started a brand because we feel like there are some missing opportunities in the market. And、right. also, A lot of things、um, we want to buy, we're not able to afford. So that's、right. we can go into detail later. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious when you, when you started, you mentioned that your family uh, has, uh, I guess, a culture of using、um, fountain pens. And you, you mentioned also that you started collecting a bit.、Um, what were some of the pens that you、uh, had around you? And by the way,、um, was this in China or was this somewhere else? Uh, there was saying US already.、Okay. Like,、uh, I was using fountain pen when I was growing up, like elementary school in China. Then we moved to US, so that kind of changed a little bit. Uh, pens I had around me,、uh, I had quite a lot Parker 51s. So from the start, I was like those like a、uh, hooded nib fan, and I really like、mm. the Parker 51. It's kind of runs through the family.、Uh, that's one pen, and、uh, I have. Quite a few Parker because that's kind of the brand we knew as we grew up. And、uh, then I got into,、uh, I got my prize pen, the Armand Blanc, and I still have, have it with me.、Uh, when, that's one pen I would never trade it or anything, do anything with it. It's like one pen since, since my school years.、Uh, other than that, Most of my pen is our piston fillers. So that's、mm. hence we kind of create a brand around that. 
uh, yeah, that's kind of my pen story. A lot of Piston Fair, like Mont Blanc, I had, well, Aurora, I have, um, um, let me think, there are so many of them in my, in my like a binder. So uh, just forgive me, <laughs> let me think for a little bit. Uh, I, I actually quite enjoy the pilot a lot. It's just a everyday writing pen. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of my collection. And uh, now I'm getting into more high-end stuff, but like, we, yeah. yeah. And, and then you said that you managed to find this internship with, uh, with a pen manufacturer. How did you manage to do that? Was it through your personal connections or you just looked? It was like a group chat and uh, this guy joined. It's like by luck, I would say, just like we kind of click and connect it. So it's not something I actively looked, it's just some opportunity presented itself. And, and how, how old were you when you were working? Um, I was, that was my last summer in high school. So it was eight, 17, 18, it was 18. Okay. Yeah. So I think you probably answered one of the biggest questions we had, which is, you know, how you ended up make, creating a pen company that has more of a you know big company style outsourcing approach because when when you think about a new like pen maker today especially like a US pen maker today the the image in my head is the pen turner right someone who buys acrylic rods yeah. and um, you know creates cartridge converter pens with Jovo nibs while you guys if I understand correctly have this uh, outsourcing to OEM manufacturer which to me sounds like a much more difficult approach in that you need to negotiate contracts you may have to you know design designs going back and forth you know um miscommunication and there might be upfront costs so so the reason why you were able to um outsource manufacturing was because of your this connection that you're talking about this this internship is that correct uh yes you're correct jacob uh so it was kind of like a uh, friend and family, everybody kind of encouraged, including the, uh, like then my boss, now my supplier, uh, encouraged, everybody kind of encouraged me and gave me a little money. Uh, also factory gave us a little like longer credit line. So they produce before we need to pay and everything just make us push us more into like making this brand. Yes. And uh, the reason I guess uh, I, you mentioned in the chat on Instagram was that you kind of want to ask about like process and nip story. Uh, yeah, we 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 like those pen turners, and uh, I'm kind of actually quite um, friends with some of them in US here. But in my mind, uh, we want to offer something unique. But people are saying uh, we we have some nip quality issue. That's true, but like we want to try to offer something actually unique, not generic. That's, mm. that, that was the goal. So that's why we decided, okay, we need to go with our own nib. And also we have more control on the design of the nib and everything. That's the mm -hmm. reason we went that way instead of just like uh, purchasing nibs and uh, um, assemble them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll get into the nibs in, in just a little bit, but you've started Narwhal, right? So, so, yeah. so uh, you've started Narwhal, you, you have the brand now. And you come out with this pen, which is the Narwhal Original. Yes. Um, can you talk us a little bit about the design process as you were saying you wanted to do something unique? 
Um, so it, everything started with like uh, me and my friend Samuel. He's the designer. I'm more like the salesman. So I'm telling a built here of his story here. So I use I tried I always use fountain pen in school, and so and he he likes it, but always tell me these looks ugly because normally I use like a black and not very attractive color. And uh, the other thing we find out is like for me, any of the I'm not like. A, I don't want to be negative about Japanese brand, but they are tech, tend to have a small ink cartridge. It doesn't last me even a day sometimes in school. So like we were thinking, it's like, this is not going to work for anyone in school. And uh, people are not really attract, young people won't really attract to like just a black, plain black pen, especially in the US. I can't speak for other countries, uh, mm -hmm. but that's the case. So that's why we put basically two things together, a piston filler, we can fill with a lot of ink and it can last you almost a week. Uh, and uh, also um, some color, we launched with four colors, a blue, a purple, yellow, and green. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, at the affordable price level, that was uh, 45 US back then, three years ago. Yeah. So your your initial pens, this, this original model was kind of a affordable pen for students sort of in there let's call it like Twispy Echo to, you know, Pen BBS tier sort of, right? And since then yeah. now, you seem to have moved more and more up to the high end and on the spectrum. It's more of a, like, if I think about the Voyage and Nautilus, it's more yes. sort of up to the, you know, Leonardo tier sort of in terms of price yeah. and in terms of the kind of acrylics and, and materials that you can get. Um, was there any like, unique challenges as you moved sort of up to those levels? And for example, I'm thinking about how you have this pen in Ebonite with a round yeah. ink window, which I, I don't know much about pen manufacturing, to be honest, but I remember reading there was a Taiwanese pen manufacturer that did a one-off piston filler Ebonite pen, and they said there were some particular difficulties uh, using Ebonite as material. So a round ink window and in, in an ebonite piston filler sounds to me like a, a difficult challenge um yeah you're correct uh, honestly the back the story because uh we had like basically one model the original and the school kill they look about the same and about the same construction for like two years mm. during that two years we were working on this uh ebonite with the round ink window like mm. it took us like a year and a half to uh perfect like to make make the ink window flush uh, to carve it without cracking the barrel and everything yeah that that took quite a while and uh, i would say yes i accept the criticism on reddit and other places are saying we are like now we're maybe moving away from its original like goal to make affordable but i would i have to say uh, for that pen, uh, Ebonite pen, or like a Jonathan Brooks material, we are still offered the product at the most competitive price if you compare it horizontally. Well, I think on the the terms of pricing, and you know, I, I sell a lot of fountain pens too, not as yeah. much as you guys, but but I sell I sell some fountain pens uh, in my spare time, and the material cost has just you know been increasing and increasing. You know, I, I don't even want to talk about gold first, but just even yeah. shipping has increased, right? Like um, plastic Everything. has increased. Everything yeah. has increased. So when you say, hey, we want an affordable pen, like, you know, maybe the $20, if you, if you offer that 
at the same prices that you that you could back before covid you lose a lot of money and maybe you don't exist right um yeah and uh, we have a way to like operate because so one thing is uh, we are just a wholesaler and uh, we need to leave some margin for the re exactly. retailer network we have and everything and shipping yeah uh but we are talking about prices we are um we experienced some uh, uh, supply chain disruption and shipping issues uh, the past two months. And so in next month, hopefully, uh, we are going to offer a few new products in that $50, dollar, $40 to $60 US dollar price point uh, to like recapture, I would say, the market we are maybe we're missing right now. So before we leave like the early days and the of the origin story, I when I did a bit of research, um I came across this name Comoc, C-O-M-M-O-C. And it seems to be seemed as if there was some activity around 2019 and then it sort of died out, maybe around the time when Norwell was launched. So was this like the predecessor to Norwell? Uh that was company before we like did not work and uh, it's always also a company right now we use in Asia area to distribute now it's just like uh, another company we have I would say it's not it's it's it becoming more like a storefront in China instead of like a brand yeah oh, and we also carry other other products sorry I cut you off yeah so it's sort of tangentially related to that. So you mentioned now that you have like storefront in China and so on. I, I naively thought that Norwell was mostly focused on US and maybe to a lesser extent a uh, European market. So what has been the most difficult markets to get into? And what markets have been so far been like impenetrable for, uh, for Norwell? Um, I would say Japan. I guess one of my motive to talk to you guys is about like we we truly want to move into Japanese market, but like that one thing I don't speak the language. The other thing is I don't know the way around and the things. So that's one of the market we have yet sold a single pen to. I would say. So I can hear see why taking notes right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That uh, that's one thing uh, we tried uh, in the past, and uh, it seems never worked. I don't know why. Maybe uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe you can you guys can tell me that I'm I'm not the expert in Japanese market here. Yeah, Japan is uh, it's it's always a difficult market because um, I I wouldn't. I really don't like it when people say, oh, Japan is a unique market, Japan, this, Japan, that, because yeah. every market is a unique market, right? So yeah. um, the, the the thing that's different about Japan is that they they have certain ways of doing things that require extra resources that a company may or may not want to devote. Um, yeah. Coming to market in Japan, I mean, it can be easy or it can be hard. You can hire a company to do the distribution for you, which will jack up your cost by two or three or four times. Uh, or you can try to do it yourself, which takes 10 years. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree with you more. Uh, we kind of started the same process with China, but we speak a language, so it's a little bit easier. I would say if I speak Japanese, maybe that makes things easier. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the reality we're seeing. Yeah, and and Japan, a lot of the times they don't want your business. 
yeah that's another thing yeah <laughs> i i agree with you and uh, a lot of times uh, same here like i normally i talk to like because uh, sometimes i uh, in china we get the, those japanese exclusive uh, like uh, vanish point or something someone will buy in the store and ship to china and uh, in us some people will ask me can you get it because they think i have an asian face and i, I can get it sometimes i do get them they, they're always complaining the japanese won't do those things for the American retailers, like Thailand won't do a special color or anything. So that's a, it's a, it's a culture thing, I would say, probably. One thing I'm curious about is how, how important, how big would you say that the, the Chinese market is relative to US? Because what we see here is that in Japan, some of the Japanese companies, actually Platinum in particular, yeah. seems to have basically no social media strategy whatsoever in Japan. They don't seem to do much, but in, but in China, they seem to have this like a rock star team of social media experts and they do all kinds of uh, exclusives and they seem to, be, they seem to put a lot of effort in, into, into the Chinese market. So is this comparatively a huge market? Uh, we do a decent amount, not, not a lot. China's for, uh, I, I would say the product we're, offering right now are not that attractive to the users. Uh, it's a different market. It, people don't really care about color there. People, only thing people care about is how fine your fine is. I, oh, really? That seems like, yeah, that seems like the only thing they care about, how fine is your extra fine is or something. Uh, so it's like, I would say one to 10 compared to other places like China's one, Restaurants ten or maybe more, so oh, it's really? not a big. Yeah, it's not a huge, but we are moving as we um, do more business and uh, as we uh, uh, company grow bigger, we can actually start doing some experimenting on how like the special fine meal for everybody and something like that. But that's it's still in the works. Yeah, I, I know a guy who can do a really fine nib. <laughs> but uh, can they can he do like five thousand that's the that's the yeah, thing that, you know? yeah. He, he cannot do five thousand right now maybe in the future he can do five thousand so yeah. one one question about the the chinese market and you know how, how that is evolving like when i got into fountain pens uh, my the, the chinese pens i saw at the time i'm thinking about you know the heroes and jin house they were pretty much always like metal pens or or, or or black pens usually or brass very heavy and they all look kind of the same nowadays for the last i don't know five years or so you've seen a lot of more colorful pens a lot of more quote-unquote like western looking pens from china are, are, mm -hmm. are those like chinese pen makers going for the western market or is this a sign of what what a chinese consumer is starting to look for as well uh, Chinese customer are changing a little bit, not that dramatically changing from the black pen to like the resin, like handmade, the, these kind of like thin kind of pen. But like uh, most of them, I would say, uh, I'm not like totally expert in Chinese fountain pen market, mm. but like I would say most of them are target like for Western consumers. So they, they sell um, Alibaba or Etsy or whatever, like that's normally like they export the product instead of mm. just uh, sell to regular Chinese customer. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I think this will be a topic of discussion later on as well, but um, I'm, I'm personally very curious because 
uh, not just in pens, but I think in a lot of uh, a lot of different aspects. When people say, "Oh, the Chinese is Chinese that," you know, China is very big, but yeah. people think Chinese is like is like a one person. You know, <laughs> they it's think, not true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but in terms of like the Chinese manufacturers, you have you know all of these brands. I believe, however, there's probably only like two or three factories, right? So how large exactly is the Chinese, you know? Pen manufacturing scene, like, is there like competition, or is everything made at the same place? Uh, it's a competition between different factories. It's a competition and cooperation, I would say. Like, mm -hmm. I'm because we our factory is uh, almost independent from the whole community, uh, so we don't really know much because we. Uh, when we were doing before doing our work, we the, the factories like OEM they would take business from this and that. Only thing uh, they never took is anything like a copy pen. So like we are kind of disconnected from the whole other Chinese pen community. So there are different factories. There are different actually areas making pens. They make different qualities, and so sometimes they cooperate together to make something. It's I'm not an expert here, so like. That's 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 all I know, and uh, some of so, my guessing, yeah. But so this is a a very sort of good segue into something we want to talk about. So the um, the Norwal pens, as well as as uh, ASC Studio, uh, some Moonman pens, and some Tian Tianzi. I'm probably messing up the pronunciation. Sorry, mm -hmm. they have exactly the same housing. Does that mean that there's like one factory making these housings and selling to whoever wants, or is this like, what is the reason why the housing is the same basically? Uh, housing is like uh, basically it's not something everybody will make. So mm -hmm. and uh, wherever it's. Uh, from what I'm saying, I'm not a total pen engineer here, but from what I understand is uh, um, I'm a, like a developed and a good flowing feed and housing takes like money and talent, especially talent to de develop. So once you have something, it's hard to move away from. So that's why everybody's using the same thing. And then, you know, when you came out on the market, I, I know that there was a big splash because you claim to have an in-house nib and yes. um i was uh i was speaking to to several you know shopkeepers and you know obviously we're seeing this pen with the same housing as as moonman and, and some other brands um i want to ask what is your definition of in-house uh it's not i i'm gonna be honest it's not totally in-house design we don't we didn't design that one, but we did design new ones. It's going to come out very soon. Uh, in-house is we make it in-house. We don't outsource. Like we, we, we injection mold it in-house. We don't outsource it. That's the, my definition of it. But, um, but then the nib, when you say in-house, it means it's in because you're not, you're not making the pens in my California basement, no. or wherever, right? Yeah, no. Like yeah. There's, there's a factory who's making mm -hmm. the, the, the pens. And then they're making other pens for other people as well, right? Does in-house mean that this factory makes the nibs? So my, my question is, how much of the nib is Narwhal, the brand? And then how much of the nib is, you know, specified by the factory? Uh, I would say right now, current design, the entire thing is ours. Even how you do the polishing on the 
uh, tipping. It's our design. A factory is executing based on what we tell them to do. Okay, so, yeah. but but then the the shape of the nib itself, right? And and I've yeah. checked and I I have some comparisons. The sh the shape itself, if I'm understanding correctly, the shape itself is a is a kind of a generic shape from the factory. You have yeah. a unique stamping. Yes. And then uh, on top of that, you have some specifications on the on the tipping. And also on the the flow channel and all those technical details. Yes. Okay, because so, I I have the feeds and they they look the same to me. But can you explain a little bit about what are the specifications that you added? Um, you look the same, but actually it's different. It's like a hairline difference makes a huge difference in mm -hmm. the flow. That's what I can tell you. Like uh, the chan the channel, how deep the channel is, and just the stuff you can't tell by just looking at it. You have to like get a really precise measurement of it. And uh, the other thing is the treatment on the feed is different. I can't go into specific, but like every like pen maker, I would say, has a different treatment of their requirement of the feed before they put it on the nib. Like what kind of solution it goes through, so make it different. Okay, okay, I'm I'm happy with that answer. Yeah. So you know how like Apple products like on the back of like an iPhone, I think it says like "designed in California, made in China." This is sort of the same thing going on here, I guess. Um, so it was, uh, I, I want to take this chance to clarify one thing because uh, the California thing was like a, a move before COVID. Then we were like in California and preparing for warehouse. Then COVID happened. So that never happened. But like that California thing seems like going around in the community. People saying we are located in California. We're not. Uh, we actually have our, our warehouse just outside New York City. Well, so what I got California from was that I was trying to find out where Narwhal was based. So I Googled and like the two first hits, I think both said California. <laughs> oh, it's just um, some, uh, it's a, like internet memory lingering around, I would say. I see. I yeah. see. But we one thing I mean, related to this design, I'm not sure if you have an answer to this, but one thing I'm wondering, sometimes you see, you know, one pen maker comes up with uh, a certain design and then someone else um another pen maker comes up with a very, very similar design like shortly after how common do you think it's is it that you know you create your own custom design and you ask a manufacturer to to manufacture that but then they lend that design to other companies as well does that happen or is that just very rare um, that happens to, I would say, uh, I'm, I'm talking about experience from Chinese factory here. Mm. It's like, uh, typically it happens to like cheaper product, like m m our not list design. I don't see anybody copy that anytime soon. Mm. Like even they want to, it's not something that easy. It's not. And also don't, don't ask me how, how we did it, but like, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Trade secret, sure. Yeah, so that that's uh, what I'm saying. But like, um, but down the line, pen is a pen. Like, uh, you can't get you can't move away from certain elements. Uh, so I guess like uh, what you say 
if we're talking a copy cinema, would you say like sailor copy mobile? Like, mm. it's a pen, it's a pen. Like, mm. it, you can't make that much difference, but like, we are keep trying to offer new things, but sometimes uh, we don't achieve this effect we want. Yeah. So, um, so one example, a concrete example I had in mind is that I remember a few years ago, I think this is London based company, Namisu came up with this faceted pen. And then just yes. like one or two months later, PenBBS came up with an almost identical looking pen, which I don't know in, in which order things happen, if they one copied the other, or if they just, they both borrowed existing design, didn't know about each other's. That's always a bit of a mystery to an, an outsider who, don't, who doesn't know how things work. Um, I would say everybody have to judge based on their own standards. Yeah. And uh, it's like totally up to the consumer whether they want to choose the product or they want to say, this is a copy, I don't want this mm. product. Uh, but there are coincidences. I would say our Nautilus and uh, the Pernider Queen Mary that can, there's a, that's a happy coincidence. Mm. Like they have a window, but they don't have a real piston filler, which it's a little different there. Uh, it's not Ebony either, but there are actually blatant copy, like I would say, movement sometimes do that. Mm. So, uh, customer consumers, uh, you have to uh, like judge for yourself. It's not something one person can be the judge of everything, right? Okay, makes sense. Yeah. All right. So now we'll get into you know the the real juicy part of this, yeah. which is. Uh... <laughs> which is a Twisby. So before we start, have you, um, did you have any contacts with Twisby before in the past, uh, no. prior to this? Like, uh, just uh, flat out, no. Like, it, 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 anyone claim otherwise, they are not telling the truth. Ne never met the person, never met the owner, never, like, I would say, I own one eco. That's all the connection I have with Twisby. That's it. Okay. And, um, and so from what I understand, Twisby is also an OEM. Um, but I think they were mentioning some people seem to to think that they have um, some parts made in, in China, maybe in the same factory. Can you confirm or deny this? Uh, they have a factory in China and uh, a lot of, I don't know, maybe most of their pen now are made in China, like made in mainland China. If we're right, being right. political correct here, yeah. So I I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't like don't call me on this. As based on my knowledge, is they used to make in Taiwan. Now they moved to China, and uh, their nib is still made by uh, Joe uh, like uh, yep. that German factory. Yeah, that's my knowledge. Yeah, to my understanding, that is true as well. But I I'm under the impression that they actually own the factory that they make uh, their they do. they do yeah so given that they own their factory right I, I guess it's impossible for you to you know uh steal their piston design but i i'm, I'm curious about um one thing because i think we've established on the podcast that yeah. there, there are only several ways to do the, the piston um specific to this piston design what were your inspirations um my inspiration would be the pelican design 
yeah. I would say the same as Twisby. So uh, this is a simpler design with uh, less parts than the Aurora Mont Blanc, the, the other design. Let's call it the other design. So like you have the Pelican design on the market, which has one connector, the metal or plastic, whatever, the, the piece, you screw your piston, uh, your blank cap on and uh, your piston move inside. That's one way to do it. The other way is like a Mont Blanc, like an Aurora, that actually come apart into two pieces. Uh, uh, both has both have a slight advantage to each other. Like the Mont Blanc one makes your like uh, blank cap smaller and your uh, posting the cap better. Uh, for us, it's uh, our Pelican piston. I would say it's um, simpler to make. That's uh, why we go with the simpler because we have to control the cost. So just to clarify a point here. So, so if I understand correctly, what you're saying is that Narwhal did not like, choose an, an off-the-shelf piston that was offered by the factory, but instead you designed or at least customized uh, a piston design. Is that correct? Uh, we choose something off-the-shelf from the first batch and then we design ourselves. We choose from beginning was a black piece of piston, plastic. Then we had some problems and well, we, so we basically redesigned the connector. So right now it's a, that piece is only us using it. And it's slightly different from everybody, like the way we assemble the pieces. Interesting, okay, so not all, not all Narwhal pens have the same piston design then? Uh, if you purchased from us like three years ago, you had the first batch. Then nice. after that, it's all the same. The Nautilus has a little different. It's the same piece, but it's a little different how we assemble it. So that's one reason for a listener out there who's complaining we didn't put a wrench in the Nautilus because it's a little different. We didn't put a piece and also more expensive we don't want. It's not something you have to take apart every day. So we don't really want people to uh, mess with their $200 pen every day. That's, that's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so getting back into the drama, um, how did you... So we, we've read the, the Twisby announcement online um, already. I think you can find it in many different places now. Um, how did you originally find out about Twisby's uh, displeasure with uh, with Narwhal. Did they email you before, or um, how 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 was the story from your perspective? Um, they never contact us about anything. Uh, that's the the first uh, response to your question. They like they never contact us like directly. Uh, second thing is we found out because the day he sent the email the day before he called people, probably the owner. And uh, so we, we got calls from our retailers asking us what's going on. We were actually really surprised. So that was how we find out. And uh, uh, of course, someone would, uh, someone forward the email to me. It's like, hey, this is the, what's going on. And uh, uh, can you do something about it? So that's how we found out. And uh, since then, I don't think there are still no communication from them to like retailer, to us, or to customers. Do you have any theory as to why this is happening now? Uh, I don't know. Like it's, uh, we are, uh, maybe uh, Twisby see us as a competitor 
uh, maybe that's the case. That's my best guess here. Uh, or I don't know. Like that's. I'm honestly, I'm just guessing what they are thinking here. So you find out with, you know, I guess along with the rest of us. <laughs> oh um, yeah, maybe but, two days before everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Did you receive a copy of this email yourself? No, I'm sorry. I did from one of our distributor. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and so so you got uh you got the distributor. Um, they they emailed uh you the, this email. I understand that there was uh there were several emails. The first one was the the one that declared um that any retailer carrying Twisby could no longer carry narwhal. Um, and then there was a second email with the with the specifications of the photos. Is that correct? I, I always thought it was the same email, but like if you okay. say so, maybe it's the same. It, that's the case. I don't know. Like, right. But I, I I've seen both. If okay. uh, actually too, yeah. Okay. And um, I haven't actually seen the email myself, but from what I understand, the the pictures that they provide and the measurements that they provide actually show. Uh, a small difference between Twisby and Narwhal pistons. Is that true? Uh, that is true because if my memory serves me right, they took apart an Eco and uh, one of our original pen like that. So the Eco, and uh, after I saw the email, I took apart my Eco too and the compare. So our piston connector is a little longer than yes. his and it's metal. Actually, it has two pieces, one metal part, one plastic part inside. So yep. he, his is one part. That's one thing. Second thing is I try to see if my blind cap will go on his or his will go on mine. Uh, I find out uh, one way works, the other way doesn't. Yep. But I can't remember which way. And uh, also the piston head, uh, one goes inside of the other and the, the other doesn't. And if you put it together, it might uh, it will go inside the eco will go inside Nawa, but Nawa won't go inside eco. If yep. my memory serves me right, I I'm sorry, it's been like two months. I don't really remember. Then I did a pelican, which a pelican will go inside eco in some parts. Some parts doesn't. So yep. it shows difference. And also it was. Uh, you did a video on like that, right? I did. So, yeah, you did all those things, and uh, we really appreciate just like for people to see and from a technical perspective, like this is what's going on. Kind of nobody copied, no one. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, so 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 their photos show that it was different you did a test to show that it was different i think you had the same results that uh that i had obviously right because they're yeah. the same parts um but your reactions from the retailers could you describe a bit about you know what the retailers uh were saying to you were they worried were they confused what was going on behind the scenes i would say uh, star was confusion because uh everybody including me because i'm in the business but like not really it's a hobby too so we will always see this as a pen community it's not in a community you don't do this to your neighbors that's what i saw like it, this kind of thing would never happen if it actually transpass your right you go to 
the legal channel. You don't do this. So it was confusion from start, and uh, there were kind of fear because people are lose, afraid of losing money. And uh, then there are uh, partings with us. There are part company partying with Twisby. So that's uh, so far how it developed. And I know that um, I, I was speaking to Jacob about this yesterday, but I believe, you know, Penn Chalet has decided to stop carrying Twisby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas I think Cult Pens has decided to uh, stop carrying you guys. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about the divide between, you know, the the retailers that continue to stock you and then the retailers that decide to drop you? Um, I would say we really appreciate all the people uh, who decide to uh, keep carrying our work, not dropping to speed, but like dropping, uh, like to, to speed stop, um, Supplying to them is the Twisby decision, but like most, uh, I, I appreciate people who kind of, I would say, have the integrity to stick with, I would say, what's right. And uh, I understand the people who part with Narwhal because I would say we are a three-year-old company. They are like a 10 or a 12-year-old company. They do have much more, uh, much bigger uh, market power than us. So I understand both, and uh, we do appreciate people who stick with us. So related to that, how has this drama impacted Narwhal so far? Uh, I would say so far, not really, because we had uh, our factories in Shanghai, if you see the news. So for the past two months, we have nothing coming in. So mm. even we don't have the, we didn't have the drama. It will still be like this for the two months. But mm. right now we are back to work. Uh, the factory is back to work, and uh, we will see how that impact the uh, the sales and uh, the future. But uh, we are actively trying to work out the problem with Twisty. Uh, we are not in direct conversation, but through our legal representatives, our counsel. Mm. So hopefully by next week and we will have some sort of solution for everybody. So a more subtle point related to that, uh, if I remember correctly in this email, Twispy mentions um, Narwhal and Moonman in, in the same breath. Now, CY and I are big fans of Moonman T1 in particular. Yeah. We talked a lot about how we like certain Moonman models, but we know that Moonman is a bit of a controversial brand because some of their pens arguably are look very similar to you know existing models and and some people in the pen community don't like Moonman for that reason. So my question yeah. is, has that association has that had any negative effect? Have people asked you know about that? Is there any like, relation here, or has that not been an issue at all? Um, I would say. Not really, because uh, ever since our launch with the Ebonet Nautilus, uh, we are so much different from what Moonman's doing. Mm. And uh, and also, we hardly ever have like transparent demonstrator pen. We do have one model, but like mm. that's only thing similar to what they're doing. And we don't have metal pens. We don't have any of those things. So I don't see people associate us with them. Mm. Uh, at all here. Maybe if you're in different kind of circle than the circle I'm traveling with. Uh, so I don't see that happening here. Yeah. Okay. 
Do we have more to say about the drama or do we want to move on to softer well, topics? <laughs> I, I, I'm curious about, you know, just, just ending this. You, you know, I don't know how much of your distribution network that you lost, but do you see this as a, do you see this as an opportunity or do you see this as a setback? Uh, I see, as I, I would say, we see as a company, uh, me and my partner, we see this as a opportunity to uh, actually put our name because his email put our name out there for people who don't know us. Yeah. So it's a it's a good opportunity for us to get people to know us. And also I see from the public opinion side, uh, Twisby is losing this PR work. Like, I, I would say because mm. almost everything I see there, people are either just like people are like we are stop buying Twisby because of this, or like we would I would like to try one now or never heard this brand before. So that's an opportunity for us. But right now, the only problem for us is to have the stock because <laughs> we are running very very low on everything right now. So I, I would like to move on to a more uh, an easier topic. Um, yeah which is you know, the future of um, Narwhal. So I'm not ex gonna ask you to you know, reveal any upcoming unannounced mm -hmm. pens, but what I'm wondering is in terms of you know, pen materials, nib materials, filling systems, nib grinds, is there anything in particular that you, just, that you want to do that you haven't been able to do yet? What, what is in your wish list, your own personal wish list for, for Narwhal? Uh, my personal wish list is first uh, gold nib. That's been my, like I would say, my dream for the last three years to have one on our work that actually writes very good and uh, produced by us, designed by us, and same go for the feeder. So supposedly uh, this month, if nothing, no disruption, we have we supposed to have a gold nib with an ebonite feeder. The total totally designed by us uh on the market but right now you see the problem and uh, we are pushing that back a little bit probably um for the listener out there in us you if you go to dc pen show that's that's uh, the time we would launch this new well next step for us and uh, still uh if you compare it horizontally to other gold nibs i i would say uh, we will price it very reasonable so assuming that the gold nib has been uh, in the works for a while, has the has the increase in in gold prices become a big problem for you as you move forward on this project? Or, well, I wish we bought gold before COVID, but like mm. I I can't complain too much. Back then we were little, we we didn't even know the like up like above two hundred dollar price point, you know. Mm. So it it did. Uh, a fact in the calculation, but we won't pass down too much to the consumer. That's the goal. So uh, we got it um, at the sweet spot, I would say, this year. We bought the gold at the okay price this year. So it, it it's difficult, but it won't affect the price a lot. So in terms of nib grinds, I think you have like fine, medium, broad, and double broad. We've started to see recently pen makers both in China and in the West offering more sort of bespoke nib options. Is there anything that you yeah, that you hope that Norval will eventually be able to offer? Uh, we work with uh, nib grinding artists in China. 
uh, we offer once uh, architect nib more like a Naganaga token, like mm. the like a sailor nib uh, with a special pen we made with uh, goldspot.com in the US. Uh, we wish we can have that more available on um, uh, more of our model, at least become a standard on limited edition. But uh, it's a uh, hand grind, it takes time. So mm. we will see. That's something I can't promise to anybody. What about more um, like, like filling systems? So, I mean, I think I, I was just reading um, the, there's this book by Tsunami-san about the history of Japanese fountain pens. And I saw that at one point or throughout history, a pilot has had, I think, 12 different filling systems. And many of them are no longer, well, most of them are no longer being used. Uh, yeah. Are there any filling systems that are not widely used today that you would want to like revive and and, uh, and add to not sorry Narwhal's lineup? Uh, we I for the brand we always want to do the snorkel filling by Schaefer, but I we don't want to entrench any pattern there. That would look really uh, like a narwhal, like a real narwhal when you have the straw <laughs> coming out. That's one of my dreams, but I, I don't know that I've never checked the pattern or anything. I don't, I, we've been enough mess with uh, the piston filler. I don't want to like trip mm. over that. But like, that's one thing uh, I think it will fit the brand. That's, uh, I'm going to say that. That's well my thing. I want to put that on the market again. Also, um, we we tried the converter with our Key West, but it wasn't really widely accepted. I would say people do associate with uh, us with a big incapacity. We are uh, developing something uh, using like a similar principle to vacuum. Hopefully, we you can have you you will see that pen like later this year, or early next year. Uh, but other than that, I don't see a lot of uh, piston and uh, no, a lot of fillers being practical. So we don't want to put uh, out some product that's not very practical in use or it will fall apart very soon. Like the old vacuum or those with a uh, rubber suck in it. That's normal. That's not good. It's just simply not good. I won't put mm. that kind of product on the market. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like when you go and, and make your, your new models, especially you mentioned about the gold nib with the ebonite feed. I think we're seeing this as a trend in in China right now, actually, right? With, uh, um, with I think Delike uh, were they the ones doing um, the gold nib with the with the slash, the the flash slit. Are are your manufacturers the same people who are currently making your nibs, or or you're gonna you're gonna find new manufacturers to do that? Um, I'm not gonna find new manufacturer. We're gonna stick with the people we know. And we've tried a few things, and uh, uh, we are not uh, going to try those like flush or any crazy things. Yeah. We want to make something reliable that yeah. works. And uh, uh, if anyone wants to like modify it to your flex nib, they can something like that. Something simple, something reliable, like uh, like a Pilot seventy four. I would say. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. So before we, you know, end this section, um, anything that you want to tell our listeners, your fans, about the future of Narwhal? Uh, I would say just like uh, follow us on social media for the latest update, and uh, hopefully we will be back on like uh, schedule to launch pens very soon. And uh, 
no matter what you think about this crispy drama, it's uh, ultimately it's your decision to uh, go with uh, whatever it is you want. And uh, we are not trying to push any story here. So, so, so just one last thing before we move on from this. So before we are accused of presenting like one side of this story, we have, or I have reached out to Twispy, I think three times yeah. so far, both okay. the Taiwan office and the US office. And so far I haven't heard anything back, but we are, we're more than open to have Twispy on the podcast or getting a statement from them if they're willing to. Yeah, um, it will be it will be definitely fun to to hear them as well, hmm. and maybe on a third episode we'll have both of you on the <laughs> podcast together. Well, I I would love that. I I like I like the tough question so far. This is the toughest podcast I've been on with front and pen people, but I really like you pushing like a transparency here. Yeah. yeah, and we are looking forward to a hooded narwhal pen. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Okay. All right, so to, to end off the episode, um, I want to just talk very quickly about this new Pilot 742 SNIB. So Frank, you mentioned you're kind of a Pilot fan yourself, right? Yes. Have you heard of this SNIB? Uh, okay, again, I'm not in the Japanese market. I feel like uh, you guys always have the first-hand information before everybody like way <laughs> way before everybody uh no i haven't uh do you care to explain what it is i might give you some insight on it making it so jacob I'll, I'll pass it i'll pass it to you because you actually owned an s s nib uh i think last year right uh and i i had it in my hand as well Yes, so I think it was back at episode 35, so like July last year, um, I found a pilot, must have been Super 200 on Mercury with a signature nib. And I wasn't quite sure at the time what it was. Um, so I went to Itoya and there was this pilot uh, pen doctor event at Itoya and I showed it. I think I showed it or I asked him about the nib and he said that back in the day uh, you had posting which was like an ef you had script which was like an f manifold was uh, like an m and and signature was like the b to bb2 course that was sort of the lineup at the time as he explained it um but obviously today we most of those snips are no longer uh, in production and but i'm looking right now at uh, again tsunami san's book about the fountain pen history of japan and i see this chart with with posting falcon manifold but here you have both course and signature and as far as i can tell from this diagram the signature is not quite as broad as the course and it seems to be a little bit more stub like but this but the um, signature name that I have it's more of a zoom like so I'm not sure if mine was ground but it looks like the signature name of the past was sort of a stub like broad and now they seem to have brought that back so um just to to mark the significance of this it's been 18 years since they introduced uh a new nib to the lineup so that's a you know that that's a long time 18 years is yeah. a long time to not do anything with the nibs but we've done a different podcast episode on just how much variety um pilot has when it comes to the nibs 
so they're they've added the 16th stock nib now i had the opportunity to go into uh the store to check out the signature nib and i and i remarked hey so what's the difference between the signature nib and the course nib and to be honest the staff didn't really know either all they knew was that it kind of wrote um, more thin on the horizontal and more broad on the vertical and so you know as you said they, they kind of compared it to the stub nib mm. and i had the opportunity to look at this nib under the loop and what i found was very interesting so you mentioned that your old one was more like a zoom yeah and i would say yes it is actually very much similar to what a zoom uh should have been according to according to um Nagaharasan. remember we had this conversation with Nagaharasan where um he was you know complaining about the modern zoom nibs yeah he, he was about to quit sailor <laughs> disagreements yeah. about the zoom grind yes <laughs> but it's it's uh it's sloped upwards and then at the top you have a a broad um horizontal i guess cut that is almost like it's almost like a zoom but then cut off even more aggressively so that you can make a horizontal line uh if you don't mind me just go ahead adding something here uh i've tried to google it in the past five minutes didn't get any results so i'm gonna work off my imagination here from your description, Jacob, uh, it sounds like it's just like a stub, very narrow stub, probably a 0.7 stub with a tipping that cuts off at the top. Am I yeah. describing it correctly? I'll, I'll send you the, I'll send you a photo. Oh, okay. Um, so it kind of looks like this. I, I sent you a photo on, on uh, Instagram. Okay, let me see. Yeah, I haven't tried a new one in person yet. I'm going to go to Marathon tomorrow and pick one up. But from the photos I've seen, it looks like, like not quite stub, like somewhere in between stub and, and a round. And a course, yeah. 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 Okay, give me a second. It's definitely a very interesting grind. Um, and I, I did try to you know, do some you know, signature style writing. I'll say this is very suitable for, you know, fast writing in Latin characters, but probably not the best for Asian characters. Uh, I would say if they make the downstroke a little more pointy, it's almost like your Naganagatogi nib. If like make it more like a triangle instead of just like a ball right here. Yeah. So, so right. it's definitely a mix, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty interesting nib, and uh, I would say uh, it's really similar. I'm gonna talk about Narwhal here. It's pretty similar with our try for the double broad, but our failed attempt to try the double broad. Uh, it's not the double broad we offer at the market right now, but we had something very similar to it, and. Uh, it does offer a little bit variation and it doesn't it doesn't give you the stub no tipping stub the cut paper feeling yeah yep but also i'm gonna say probably we're not gonna see this in america <laughs> it's okay I, I will bring some over uh this summer when i go 
So All right. uh, if you are at the DC or SF Pen Show, I'll, I will have some. All right. Okay. I wonder if they're going to offer the Neo Classic with this new option. Right? Because we talked just last episode about how they said we, we're going to um, restock or reintroduce the Neo Classic at the end of the year with all 15 nib options and one week later say, Ta-da, we have a 16th nib option now yeah that's right I, and i was wondering that as well because it, it seems so i don't know may, maybe this was you know not well thought out of but it, it seems so weird that they would come out with a 16th option after the this you know um Jichukai, like ordering session for you know marketing blitz mm. for for this all 15 option on this awesome pen I'm sure they're going to get questions for sure. This will be something people want. Yeah, um, I, I had the opportunity to try it, but I was uh, I was not smart enough to buy it on the spot. So I'll I'll go back and and buy it as well. Yeah, we have we have to talk about it more in the next episode when we have done more extensive testing, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it's very. Ex- I mean, so clearly something is happening now with Pilot. They have done more stuff this year than we've seen from them in a long long time now that they're they're rediscovering that they're a fountain pen maker (laughs) yeah that's right i i feel like they do have this trend start to adopt a little more color into their lineup the standard not the the namiki art but like you see in america we get uh the 912 with four new colors and in Japan you get the vanishing point in four new resin color right mm-hmm. so I see the trend they are slowly getting the trend too yeah yeah I agree do we have any other topics or comments that we want to we want to say before we close out the episode I don't think I have any I'm done happy Frank anything else um, to add? I'm good I just uh, really want to uh thank you both for hosting this and uh, for us to have for the brand to have a platform when we have drama <laughs> yeah i mean we're, we're happy to you know our our perspective is uh we just want to know what happened you know and yeah. and we're not necessarily <laughs> taking sides um but we we love hearing from from people who are you know in the scene from, from behind the scenes actually so so we are super happy to have you here as well frank and yeah thank you for making time for this i'm sure i will see you very soon this summer since i'll be going to the us but uh but otherwise um yeah we'll we'll keep talking anyways this has been the episode uh my name is cy you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on instagram and tiktok at tokyostationpens and on twitter at tokyostationmnh and my name is Jacob. I'm a fan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at foodafan.com. And my name is Frank. We are Nawa Pens. You can find us in Nawa Pens on Instagram or nawapens.com on the website. All right. Thanks so much. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.